It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So you probably already saw the, the Dolly's ice cream thing with the oh. Jenny's splendid ice cream. Like, yeah. Broke the internet. Oh, must, no. Their website must have crashed because so many people wanted Dolly Parton's ice cream. Oh, that's awesome. And I know the company only was making, you know, a limited batch. It was like 10000 Right. But still, the, that many, it was that crazy popular, that, popular. that it, it sold out in an instant. And then another thing in the news was with that Wesley Hamilton, the disabled but oh, not yeah. really. Yeah. He made the CNN's 2021 hero list. Oh, that's awesome. Everyday so people changing the world. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome because if you remember, he got shot in 2012. He was paralyzed, right. depressed, overweight, had a young toddler. Yeah. Single dad. And he basically changed his life around and now he's helping other people. With disabilities. Now he's working out of his garage. Okay. But he started that disabled, but not really in 2017. And May 20th, they're going to host a gala for adaptive fashion. Very cool. Arrowhead Stadium. So um, I need to check that out. That's very cool. So with this cool scene that make the news, I... I've been working on my right. Behind 21 list, yeah. and you've been helping me with the plogging. There's one on there I want to paint some rocks and, and put it out there. I saw that Prince Charles, I know it's a few weeks late, but right. he had made a public service announcement over in Europe about getting outside and enjoying nature. Oh, So I just think people should go check it out. Some of them have these cute little hedgehog rocks, because oh. that's on my list, to paint some rocks. Yeah. Happy rocks, and go put them out in, in the wilderness, and... Out in nature, yeah. But he just wanted to encourage people to look closely at nature and stuff that we take for granted. Maybe look for shapes, or um, if you get on their their hashtag P O W Nature Challenge, and you know the Royals have been in the news a ton, which <laughs> for sure. That I'm totally yeah. Team Diana, but I did. I loved watching this public service announcement because he's talking about you're being super rough for the yeah. world and everyone's struggling. And he just suggested this was a good way to get out and enjoy nature. And if you get on with that hashtag on Instagram, you can see, like, kids' drawings with, you know, cute little nature things and just all sorts of things related to nature. So it definitely is a feel-good. And it adds to my Be Kind 21 where I need to paint some rocks and maybe a little hedgehog. My feel-good story this week, I was kind of reading online, I found this story about this young girl, Alex Weber. She's 15. She went snorkeling with her dad off the coast of California near Pebble Beach. Mm -hmm. And just below the Pebble Beach golf course. That sounds uh, really cold already. Yeah. I would not be out there. (laughs) (laughs) But they were snorkeling, and they discovered 275 yards of golf balls. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And they were stunned. So they initially organized a cleanup and collected roughly 2,500 in one week. Oh, my gosh. I know. Golf balls. I don't even know what those are made out of. Well, it's like a, I think it's like a rubber polymer. band and then a polymer coating. around coating around gotcha. it. So they went back two weeks later and collected another 2,500 golf balls. And I found it so, so interesting. The teen was struck by this horrible problem. She really wanted mm-hmm. to do something about it. 
And the incredible thing, this has been going on for like 100 years. With they, the golf balls? Yeah. Because of could, that golf course yeah, being there? Yeah. And, it's just, and it, it's been undiscovered. I yeah. just find that interesting. Well, you think that you're flushing away stuff out into the ocean or out into right. the rivers. And it seems like it's gone, but... Not necessarily. No, it's not. So one observation her and her father had made was the rubber band inside that golf ball mm-hmm. had unraveled. And got tangled in the kelp, you know, Aww. and so it was affecting your know, marine the wildlife. Life. Yeah. yeah. So Alex uh, teamed up with a Stanford Marine Station researcher, Matthew Savoco, which I thought was pretty remarkable. You know that you're going to reach out to somebody. Initiative. Yeah. yeah. And so he wrote. He, you know, quote. This is what she said. She sent an email saying that she had read some of, the, of his papers and scientific articles that came out of his PhD work. And so and then she's he, 15. She's 15. Into, so okay, she looked into is, this. It's really pretty cute. Cool. And then he suggested they do a report together. Uh-huh. And an article outlining the scope of the problem. And then in addition, Alex went on to collect from three other coastal golf courses. Their initial discovery, they have collected over 50,000 now wow. golf balls. And which, this is just started by one young person. One young person out of an afternoon just, with her dad yeah. snorkeling. It, and it's pretty incredible. They also worked with Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary and Aquarium to identify key areas for other places to clean up. Mm-hmm. And they've also been working with golfers and caddies to keep the golf balls just out, out of the, the ocean. Water. Good. Yeah. Good. So, and this sanctuary covers over 6,094 square miles. So it's a big area. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just so amazed by a young girl and her father making this discovery Both and how they brought awareness to the problem. Yeah. Normal people. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just say, I was getting my hair done today and my hairdresser it looks asked... cute, by the way. Thank you. Um, she was asking about the book I was reading. I always bring in a book because I it's hard for me to sit in that chair for yeah. so, Anyway. I so. Anyone who knows me might shudder hearing that she would ask that because you know that I can ramble a lot. And knowing that I had a captive audience, I definitely could go on and on and on about someone that inspires me. But I I tried to keep it as brief as possible and just gave her an express cliff note version of Wangari Mathai. Not only did my hair lady seem genuinely interested in the book yeah the one that i brought in was unbowed okay cool she has several books but but the woman in the booth next to us was the eavesdropping? Other, she, she's Aww. like she apologized for eavesdropping that's and awesome. then said she wanted to know that asked if she could get the name of the book oh okay she's like, that sounds great so already yeah this week's podcast totally worth it for right. me because for i sure. learned about this woman and then someone else was excited about this woman too and it's because of the podcast that I even discovered Wangari. And after learning about her, I'm embarrassed that I haven't heard much about this firecracker before. She was so accomplished in her 71 years on this planet. An advocate for women's rights in Africa before it even was a thing. Wow. She witnessed the inequality women experienced doing the same work as men. I mean, that's yeah when they were allowed to do the same work as men. She recognized the need for conservation and renewing the natural landscape well before others even understood the problems facing Africa. She combined her environmental activism with promoting equality for women by empowering women to work to plant trees 
and learn other agricultural trades. Wow. What time is this? What's the time frame when she was doing that sort of work, um, do you think? Well, she started the Greenbelt Movement in 77. Okay. So, um, so a while ago. She went to school in the 60s. Came, okay. Came to the States for school. And she noted in the book that she was very lucky to be part of this lift program to wow. get scholarships and so definitely a, a heart of gratitude yeah. in this woman, but she saw that there were there's where well, there was room for improvement in the world. She wanted to promote better agricultural practices and planting more trees. She worked to try to stabilize Africa's food insecurity. She knew her truth and wasn't swayed. And she reminded me of the saying, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. And she definitely lived that. I tried to look up that saying to see if it was from, you know, where it came from. And and everybody argues about where it originated from. So I just like it no matter where where it came from. But in 2004, she won the Nobel Peace Prize. She was 64 at that time. And she was the first African woman to win this prestigious award. She believed in democracy and was willing to speak her mind even if it meant time in jail. Did she go to jail? Twice. Oh, she went okay. to jail twice. Oh. Um, I, guess, I guess we'll hear about that later. It's interesting in itself. And I've ne- I'm scared of prison. Yeah. So that this woman was so fearless for her causes. That's just awesome. inspiring. To be that firm in your convictions, definitely admirable. I would like to think that I'm that firm in my convictions, but... Yeah, I think I've, we've like not been said, tested. Like yeah, that. exactly. But I think the thing that impresses me most with Wangari Mathai is the movement she started. And it's absolutely impossible to cover even a fraction of this woman's touch on the planet. So I'm seriously just scratching the surface of her life. She was born in Nairi, Kenya, at a time when most girls didn't attend school. It was an expense that families couldn't afford. She didn't get to attend until she was eight. And even at that, it was her kind of her brother's prompting with, oh, why is she not going to school? And, and very, oh, it interest. sounds, yeah. yeah. Her school uniform even came from the brother. He, oh. I think I read that he had extra fabric. So okay. he had a school uniform made for her. So even that came from her brother. She didn't have shoes to go to school, oh. which I guess isn't that uncommon. So she went without shoes until she was 15. Things that we take for granted here in the United States. Right are extreme luxuries in other countries. So it just makes me feel even more, I need to be more grateful for the things I have. Keep in mind. We all do. (laughs) And add to that, they had to travel quite a distance just to go to school. She attended St. Celia, and one nun in particular, mother, her name's, Teresia, oh. so Teresa, but with an I-A at the end. Okay. Um, so I'm I'm thinking that's how it's pronounced. Notice her potential. And in 1956, Wangari finished the best grade in her class. Oh. So it's good that she was allowed to go to school, right. finally. Her prize was a scholarship to Laredo Girls High School outside of Nairobi, which I guess is also nicknamed the Green City in the Sun. Oh. From there, she came to the States for college, attended an all-women's school in Kansas named Mount St. Scholastica. Okay. And she studied biological sciences, which fits in. That's why she knew about the trees. Exactly. She had traveled with a schoolmate, and, you know, over here she experienced her first taste of racism when their Greyhound bus stopped for cold beverage, and they were, they you know, they went in, they were thirsty. They thought I, they could get a drink, and she commented that people were looking at us, and I didn't quite understand. And then the server was like, we don't serve your kind here, so oh. you need to leave. 
So it was a rude awakening for the young women, and it made Wangari question the whole land of the free thing. Right. Rightly so. She earned her master's at the University of Pittsburgh and returned to Kenya once she graduated. And once again, another rude awakening. When she returned home, she noticed that the women in her hometown had to travel much further to collect firewood. The stream no longer provided clear water. It was full of mud from the soil erosion, and the cows on the land just looked bone thin. So is this just like over a four-year period then? Then just a four-year period? I think, year I think it was six, oh, six. six years. Okay, because I'm like, yeah. that's a lot of change. Yeah. Still, even it's in still, that, it's, it's a, a lot of yeah, change. It's not much time. Someone had purchased the land and decided they could make more money by farming it, like okay. with coffee, tea, I think I read bananas in some spots. And they could do that for a few years, and then... The, the land, it wasn't meant for those crops. Okay. So it just, they'd have to move on and then clear another spot and keep moving on. And so these people just were struggling. They'd strip the land and then replant the new crop, which produced for a year or two, and then it'd be depleted and they'd have to move on to an adjacent area. And it just continued. The people were left poorer and poorer without the natural resources that they had before. So when, when Gari knew, you know, witnessed this, she knew that the coin to... Poverty and environment are both one and the same. You know, you have to deal with both of them. Right. So in 1968, she was teaching at now the University of Nairobi, working at the same time she was working towards her doctorate. She was inspired by a colleague, also a science professor at the university, Verstatine. They called her Vern, I guess, um, who would ask her students, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Which I love that question. It's a good question. Because rather than just complaining about things and grumbling, it's like, what are you trying to get out of it? What are you trying to do? So action. I guess that's what I'm looking for, action. So she kind of took that concept. And also the nun that had been at St. Cecilia with her, she took the one-on-one teaching from her and her mother, because her okay. mother had taught her a lot, too. When Gari met with the National Council of Women of Kenya and applied the same questions, people said, you know, maybe we could donate food. But that didn't fix the problem. That goes back to the fish thing right. that, this, that whole, this all reminded me of. Yeah. When Gari knew that they needed firewood, they needed a healthy stream, fruits, shade, and they just needed a healthy ecosystem... And she knew, being having her background in biology, that it right. started with trees yeah. and a healthy environment. There were many doubters, but that didn't stop her. She decided to teach her people how to plant trees. It was fitting that she chose June 5th, 1977. That was World Environment Day. Kamigan Chief. Was that, do you think, the beginning of Earth Day, do you think? Or, or, or no. I mean, there's. do we still have Environmental Day, I guess? I think maybe. we still we have do. Environmental okay. Day. All right. But I'm just curious. Good question. We need to look into that. Kabagunji Park was crowded while Wangari was teaching people how to plant seedlings with six other women. And that's kind of where the Green Belt movement started. So okay. they were talking about creating these green belts across the planet and just making them, you know, help the environment. In 1977, she and a Norwegian environmentalist started the Green Belt movement, which brought a holistic approach to poverty the environment and conservation it created income opportunities and helped heal the planet oh she started a movement where communities could empower each other and i so and this is so ahead of the game i mean i saw an interview with her daughter that her daughter said the same thing her thing was that my mom was so ahead of the time yeah she was like looking so far ahead and into the future right her perseverance for causes close to her heart, even when they went against social norms, definitely inspired me. 
reading about Wangari Mathai's life reminded me in ways of John Lewis. She fought corrupt government, even if she wasn't popular and risked friendships. There was a girlfriend that she grew up in her hometown that when she went back, when they went back, the girlfriend didn't want to have anything to do with her because she, her husband was nervous being seen with Wangari because she thought it was too dangerous to even be seen because of Wangari's reputation for being like a rebel rouser. Um, in 1992, she organized a hunger strike to promote the release of political prisoners. She was left wounded by the police. I don't know who exactly threw rocks, I, you know, yeah. but there was a video of her where her back, she was bleeding. Oh. And the woman, she just kept pressing on with her, her cause. But that wasn't the first time this woman was arrested. Oh. <laughs> so in 1979, she was sentenced to six months in prison. What? After her divorce proceedings. Her husband felt she was too strong-minded for a woman, and he couldn't control his wife, so he filed for divorce. He was a politician. And Wangari grew up with, in her household, they were Protestant, but with their church, they believed in polygamy. So the dad had four wives. Oh, man. And so she was used, I mean, she she saw this with the man being, uh, the women being submissive, I guess is what I'm saying. But she was not going to be, that was not her way. That was not her way. And so her politician husband filed for divorce. The judge ruled in favor of Mwagi, her husband. And when Gari stated in an interview that the judge must have been incompetent or corrupt. And that was why she was charged six months in jail. Just for her voice. Just for voice, yes. Voicing her opinion. I know. She was released shortly after, thank goodness, um, because her, her lawyer got her out. But this woman was fearless. Her legacy is carried on, not only in the women who became part of the movement, but through her daughter, who now works, has kind of taken her place. She worked um, with the youth, women, and economically disadvantaged alongside her mother for 12 years. So they experienced a lot together. I watched a recent interview with her daughter, Wenjira Mathai, and was impressed not only that she could carry the torch her mother started, but with how she spoke of her mother. It was such love and admiration and you can see that this woman not only made a difference in the world, but in her daughter. Oh, sweet. She noted their mother was so ahead of the time with climate change and emphasized the importance of generating jobs and oh, seeking opportunities yeah. to grow while keeping values and character intact. Love her perseverance for yeah. causes close to her heart, even when it went against social norms. She ignored people and they laughed at her for using women to plant trees. Many men thought that they couldn't do it. They expected her to fail. There was a time in the book that she was denied seeds because the salesman thought it was a waste. When she proved that women could, in fact, do it, then he changed his mind and sold her the seeds. The trees she's helped plant in one way or another, either, you know, herself or with others, are still helping our planet today, and I'm grateful that she never backed down or let failures derail her mission. She was passionate, to say the least. For sure. Since its inception, 51 million trees have been planted <gasps> by the Greenbelt Movement. So this is one woman yeah. starting that. And 30,000 women have been trained in forestry, beekeeping, and food processing. They probably wouldn't have been in those fields no. prior, you know. I mean, when she this. went back, they were hungry, and they were having to go so much further just for firewood yeah. for general necessities. Marion Camus 
Uh, chairperson at the Greenbelt Movement said, quote, I have learned whatever I am, small or woman or single, with my mind I can influence people in the right direction. If I persist on what is right and be focused, I can bring change to the world. I loved that. Oh, yeah. It's easy to see why she won a Nobel Peace Prize to honor her contributions to sustainable development, promoting democracy, and calling for peace. Like I said, when Gari was ahead of the time and she knew the importance of generating jobs and seeking opportunities to grow while keeping values and character intact with the natural resources and taking care of the planet, she believed that we all have the power to heal our problems. Problems with the environment, human, and women. Problems all-encompassing. saw an interview where someone said that she liked and treated everyone equally. They all, they all had her respect, whether they were a child or someone of importance. Wangari definitely inspired communities to help each other. And you see that with the Green Belt Movement. Her daughter has kept it going. And she kept going back to these three words that I, I had read with Wangari too, that she lived by persistence, patience, and commitment. Oh. Which I love. And her do what you can with what you have where you're at. And that actually is a Teddy Roosevelt quote. But oh. it reminded me so much yeah. of just do what you can with where you're at right now. Don't right. wait. Yeah. A lot of the, I don't, have you heard of the movie Dirt? No. It was in 2019. Okay. And they, it, it goes over on, it's actually um, narrated by Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. Okay. And it has Wingari in it. She's reading the hummingbird story because she, this is a good fable that I wanted to finish this with. Yeah. Because it does, it kind of reminds people of the importance of one person mm-hmm. doing the best they can. With the hummingbird story, one day a terrible fire broke out in a forest. A huge woodlands was suddenly engulfed by a raging wildfire. Frightened, all the animals fled their homes and ran out of the forest. As they came to the edge of a stream, they stopped to watch the fire, and they were feeling very discouraged and powerless. So they were all bemoaning. So <laughs> I know, exactly. That's why I paused there. They were all bemoaning the destruction of their homes. Every one of them thought there was nothing they could do about the fire except for one little hummingbird. This particular hummingbird decided it would do something. It swooped into the stream and picked up a few drops of water and went into the forest and put them on the fire. Then it went back to the stream and did it again. And it kept going back again and again and again. All the other animals watched in disbelief. Some tried to discourage the hummingbird with comments like, Don't bother. It's too much. You're too little. Your wings will burn. Your beak is too tiny. It's only a drop. You can't put out this fire. And as animals stood around disparaging the little bird's effort, the bird noticed how hopeless and forlorn they looked. Then one of the animals shouted out and challenged the hummingbird in a mocking voice. What do you think you're doing? And the hummingbird, without wasting time or losing a beat, looked back and said, I'm doing what I can. Oh. And I love that because there are different versions where it talks about, yeah. you know, the cheetah and they're fast, but he wouldn't do it. And the elephant, he's big and has this huge trunk, yeah. but he wouldn't help. And yet it came down to the little hummingbird and right. the hummingbird that made a difference. I just, I love that vision. My quote from Wangari to finish off was, every one of us can make a contribution. And quite often we're looking for the big things and forget that wherever we are, we can make a contribution. Sometimes I tell myself I may only be planting a tree here, but just imagine what's happening if there are billions of people out there doing something. Just imagine the power of what we can do. Right. And I just love that because we can do little on our own, but together we can do so much. Right. Big stuff. Yeah. Goes back to that hummingbird.
Yay, our website is up and running. I am so excited. Yay, me too. Tangentialinspiration.com. It has all our podcasts, links to the people and organizations we've talked about on our shows, links to the books we love, and show notes. Our goal is to keep adding more and more inspirational content on our website, including quotes we love, follow-up stories, and news about anything we have going on. We'd love to hear from you. Our food drive, yeah, and then soon going to be our Earth protest. Yep. So you can check us out, email or in the comments. Check it out, tangentialinspiration.com. Like way too many things that I don't want to admit. I can't remember where I first started about Four Ocean. Oh yeah, but I was pleasantly surprised to find my son and his girlfriend sporting Four Ocean bracelets. And I know they didn't hear about the company from yeah. me, but um, we've all seen the pictures of plastic waste in the ocean. And Amy and I know yeah. that <laughs> doing our plogging once a week. Lots of plastic. Oh my gosh, so much plastic you can find even in just running an hour. It's yeah. crazy. But Four Ocean is a, a for-profit company trying to clean our oceans of plastic and debris with the sale of bracelets. And since COVID, now they're adding face masks too. Oh, fun. That's cool. The company was started by two guys. They went on a surfing trip to Bali in 2015, and they witnessed firsthand the impact of our plastic consumption and our oceans. They talked with fishermen whose livelihoods depended on the ocean, and they decided that they needed to do something about it. So in 2017, Four Ocean was created, and it's a business providing employment for people while also positively impacting the planet. I spotted a guy at Costco with a four ocean face mask and I was practically jumping up and down. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. pretty much was. And I'm sure he thought I was a crazy person, but, uh, but we showed him my bracelet. He knew of the company. He had bought the face mask oh. from the company, but yeah. he didn't really know much besides it. And he just said that it had a really good mask that helped keep his glasses from fogging up. And he's like, they're good guys and all, but he really didn't know much about the actual company so he was just excited about the face mask so i had to go check it out and sure enough it does have they have it's a mask support frame oh so it's plastic that is 50 percent recycled plastic underneath the mask itself so it allows more breathing room and so glasses i guess don't fog up it's like a little tent yeah yeah but they're selling face masks with a base and it's made out of recycled plastic the mask and every item on their website includes a promise to remove one pound of plastic from the ocean and that promise is tracked on their website. They keep uh, records of it. For people who want to participate in the Four Ocean program without buying more stuff, right. that's another thing, um, there's a pull a pound option. So for $10, you can have one pound of plastic removed just for fun, okay. which I think would be a that's great gift idea for someone who has everything. That would be neat, especially for, you know, I mean, that is someone who snorkels or they right. want to. I was just thinking my father-in-law, he's a big, big um, he was a microbiologist. Oh, so. yeah. Marine, yeah. Bi- marine biologist, yeah. rather. Sorry great gift for someone yeah. like that so their website sells reusable bags trucker hats shirts and cups with the same promise to pull one pound of plastic out of the ocean my favorite still is the bracelet it's mostly re- recycled material except for the stainless steel charm the cord is made from recycled water bottles oh wow cool no idea how they do that but and the beads are made from recycled glass and they're all crafted by artisans in bali even more than the bracelet, I love that each one is inspired by wildlife. Oh. So well, mostly wildlife that is dependent on the ocean, but it has a fun fact with the order page with each animal. And I... So you get to learn a little bit yes. about the um, I animal. seriously, 
could spend hours just scrolling their website, yeah. learning about their different things that they've done. For instance, the seahorse bracelet has a red and blue cord and notes that each year 11 million seahorses are caught in trawls. Oh. So wearing the bracelets, they want a, the constant reminder, you know, remind yourself to conserve. Right. And it also is... Uh, Reminds me of like having a rubber band if you're trying to break yeah, a habit. Yeah. Or, yeah. I know. And we all need to do better yeah. with less plastic. I think personally, I'm going to have to order the April bracelet. It's inspired by Earth Day and it's called Restore Our Earth. That's the oh. name of the bracelet. Its cords are blue, green, and white to represent the marine, coastal, and terrestrial environment that are threatened. For the first time, now moving forward, they're going to include a second charm. So the first charm is just the four ocean charm. Okay, yeah. Um, but from here moving forward, they're going to include a second charm that will remind you of the animal that you were inspired by on there. Okay. So this one right. is going to have the, the sea trees. And for each bracelet that is purchased, four ocean is also going to donate a dollar to sea trees, which is a nonprofit company. They focus on their platform for people and brands to take direct action on climate change. They work with communities around the world to restore, regenerate and protect blue carbon coastal wow. ecosystems. So mangrove and kelp forest, seagrass, ride to reef watersheds and coral reefs. So it sound, that sounds yeah. like another, another day. Really? To go over yeah. That. Check out that. Yeah. But so each uh, for the month of April for this particular bracelet, they're giving another dollar to Sea Trees nonprofit. And I realize there's a controversy with Four Ocean because it is, as I said, a for profit. And but the more I dug, I just I still maintain my enthusiasm. Right. Yeah. They're employing people in different parts of the world, which is a plus. Yeah. They're helping restore our oceans. Yeah, Which, awesome. how can you see anything wrong yeah. with that? And as of February 2021, they've removed 13 million pounds of plastic from wow. the ocean. They want to bump that to 20 million by the end of the year. I'm um, trying to visualize I know, what that would look I like. I know. I had to, yeah. yeah. It's, we don't even realize how much is out there. I know. But by the end, they want to get 20 million by the end of the year. And I sincerely hope they reach that goal. Yeah. Awesome. Part of my Be Kind 21 oh, yeah. paying it forward was going to be to organize a food drive. That's right. So I am super excited. We're going to do it on May 9th, 2021. It happens to fall on Mother's Day, oh, but I want to do that. like a Mother's Day theme. And people can show up between 9 and 10 and drop off food. And we'll put on our website, tangentialinspiration.com, links to do your own food drive. Yeah. And then also requests because they like things like peanut butter or you right, know, the things that really are yeah, needed. non-perishable foods. So I'm super excited for Yay! our first food drive. Woohoo! Like and subscribe. Follow Transgential Inspiration on Facebook and Instagram.